Welcome to the Dumb Idea Podcast with Mike and Alex. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the show. Please like, subscribe, comment, and share this video or podcast on any platform that you're listening on. Please visit us at www.dumbideapodcast.com. All right, so I, uh, for those of you that didn't know, there is seven-year-old uh, travel swimming. And I didn't know this until my son made the seven-year-old travel swimming team. So we had to go up to, to north of Baltimore for a meet and drive through Baltimore to get up there. And as we're driving, in the morning, no one's out. And then the meet, we're coming back at about one or two o'clock in the afternoon. Well, people are now out. So as we're driving through the city and we get down near the stadiums, there are a bunch of homeless people hanging out. Um, you can see the tents. They have tents set up under bridges. And it's not like the, uh, the California um, system where you have these enormous encampments, but there were quite a few people out there. So my wife and I are talking, and she's asking why we're, uh, you know, why you know, they're out there, and you know, then we start discussing it, and the, you know, well, can't they just get jobs? Well, it's not quite that simple, and and just looking at the people out there, you, you feel bad for them because they are homeless. It's cold, but uh, again, people do have control over their own destiny and make choices and and certain things to to put themselves in these positions, but. Some of it isn't that way. Some of it isn't as, as, as easy as that. As saying, oh, well, just don't be addicted to drugs anymore. Or, or don't be schizophrenic anymore. Or don't be both anymore. So it got me thinking as we're, as we're driving through the, the city and looking at this as to the policies that have gotten, gotten us to this point. Now, Baltimore's not as bad as California. California has the, the, the big encampments, like I said, but when you look at the, the, the amount of homeless in Baltimore, especially in the warmer months, uh, it gets you thinking, what did, where did we go wrong? And um, as I looked at it, I started doing some research because I'm a geek, and I geeked out on it a little bit. And uh, you know, went through a timeline of, of when this happened and causes, and a lot of it has to do with mental health and, and, and drug addiction. And that's kind of what gets them there. And with those things, it's not as simple as just, hey, let's throw treatment at them or let's get them jobs or let's find them houses because the addiction and the mental health issues are what's, ru- or what's running their lives and putting them on the streets. So, yeah, but that was the, the interesting conversation that we had. Um, and, you know, with the boys there, they were seeing it. And, and you know, they, we live in the suburbs, so they're not, they're not used right. to seeing that. For us, and for us, when we drive through the city, which isn't that often, that's only what we actually see. I mean, the problem is probably ten times worse than what we can even see, mm-hmm. um, especially in the areas that you know people from the suburbs. They're not driving through certain areas of Baltimore to see what else is out there. I mean, for all we know, I mean, in the middle of Baltimore, there's a place called Patterson Park, and who knows what kind of encampments are set up there. Um, but uh, you know. It, it's interesting if you if one of the most widely debated topics is the causes of homelessness. Why are there homelessness? 
or why are there homeless in this country? We're the most wealthy country in the world. We shouldn't have any homelessness. The problem is, is it, it's, it's a very, and we talk about this all the time, a lot of topics are nuanced, right? So, for example, with the mental health issue, um, it's not like people just run out and go right up to a police officer and say, help, I'm, 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 I've got mental health issues and I'm, you know, I, I, I'm not going to be able to make my rent this month or, you know, my, my, my schizophrenia is acting up, Mr. Police Officer, can you help me? And most, I mean, I feel like for the most part, a police officer might be able to like, hey, here's a number for social services or something, but they're not going to be like, okay, let's sit down and have a therapy session because that's what I do. No, they, they don't do, that's not their job, right? Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, and this has been a trend probably over the last 25 to 30 years, money to go into treating and identifying mental health issues has gone way down. And it's only kind of resurfaced, I'd say, in the last 10 years as a hot topic, some of which got spurred on by some of the school shootings. Um, but, and you, you and I have talked about this before, like, especially in, in my scenario, I definitely have... Uh, some mental health issues that I've had to work through over the past couple mm-hmm. of years. Uh, in fact, it, it, going back nine years ago, like starting with therapy, some drugs that that help. I mean, we're not, I'm not, I'm not hitting the fentanyl pipe, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but you know, in, like medically prescribed drugs uh, that help kind of level out some serotonin levels or whatever um, to kind of help go through your day-to-day. The, the thing is, though, for someone like me who has health insurance, who has um, the wherewithal to know that, hey, help is available, not everyone has that. And if you don't, if someone has a mental health issue and they don't get it treated, they can go on a very quick downward spiral to the point where they lose their job, get, it, it might could lead to drug addiction because of depression or whatever. Uh, and, and next thing you know, you're three months late on your rent and now you're homeless Mm -hmm. Uh, and it it can happen that quick. Now there are other issues though with mental health, heavier mental health issues. Not, not like for me, it's treatable depression. Um, and then also some panic attacks, but also treatable panic attacks with some medicines I use very infrequently. Right. So you're Um, not, we're not talking like, you know, Serious personality disorders or no, or no, 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 paranoid no. schizophrenia. No, no, I'm, I'm not like getting that. committed next week. You yeah. know what I mean? But think about it though. It, it, let's say I had like schizophrenia or something. I wouldn't have a clue where you go for that. No, and the thing is, people who who suffer from those conditions, you know, they're they're thought disorders. But the thing is, to them, everything <laughs> they're seeing and thinking is real. Right. Everyone else is the crazy one. Well, and by the time, but and by the time someone even realizes that they've got a problem, they're probably in prison and they're getting diagnosed in prison. Yeah. Like, or, or if they're not, they're you know it, they have to do something that makes them a threat to themselves or others right. to get them involuntarily committed. So, right. really, it's it's almost a, sh- a shame that we you have to go to the point where you're gonna, you know, uh, hurt yourself or kill yourself or somebody else. Or you just can't live on your own for the, for, but even at that point, we're not talking about a lifelong commitment. We're talking about it could be forty eight hours, it could be seventy two hours for right. them to stabilize you and then say, okay, see you later. We don't have a bed, right? 
and there are very few beds for for mental health patients out there um that's that's a huge problem that a lot of people don't really talk about they're like oh we got to put more money into mental health more money into mental health and, and that's it they don't say specifics like like for example around us we we've got that old mental hospital and that's what they call mental hospital yeah it, they should they, like they should call them like either mental illness facility give them a less of a stigma right but well, it's, there, there was that place over on General's Highway. Yep, and then there's the other one it's out. It's closed down, though. Oh, yeah, there's the one. And then, well, the one in in, um, in Glendale, was a that was a, a tuberculosis hospital. Right. But. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. The one off of General's Highway wasn't exactly doing a lot of good work. <laughs> right. far, I mean, it was a mental hospital in name only. It was really probably a torture facility. Yeah. So, and like, that was back in the day when you get shot. The shock oh, therapy was in. Some of the, the, the lobotomies. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And when I was. Doing my my nerd research, like in Indiana, there was a facility that you know where they would uh, they would castrate, oh. uh, you know, chemi- you know, uh, physically or chemically. You know, there was either chemical or an actual surgical castration, and they they called them like uh, morons, idiots, and lunatics or something. And it's like, well, that sounds like me when I'm driving, but that's how they referred to them. And then go and then the electroshock therapy, and then they got into the just drug, you know, doping them up. Yeah. And then the lobotomies, you know, the stuff that they were doing to people. Um, and th- these doctors were able to just pretty much experiment freely because yeah. no one really was monitoring it. So there's it was the, kind of a, you know, hey, let's let's try to cut part of his brain out and see if that works. There, there's some documentaries about that stuff. There, there's not many of them, but if. I, I wish I could think of one of the names of them, but man, some of the stuff they did was just horrific. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then of course, no wonder nobody, like, cause if so, let's say someone went in and they were getting tested on all this other stuff, this weird stuff, like and think like back to the, like the thirties, the forties, the fifties, right. Back when it was more prevalent or even before that. And then someone gets out, Oh, you're cured. Okay. Here you go. Someone was able to fake it enough to get let go. Yeah. Well, once the word got around, well, this is what they do to you when you get committed. That's why, like, in, in some movies and stuff, they kind of, like, they portrayed it as people fighting to not get committed because they were afraid, one, they either weren't going to get out, or two, they were going to be tortured. Mm-hmm. And that just leads to the further stigma, stigmatizing of mental health and trying to get help. Oh, yeah. When in today's reality, it's not. At least I don't think it is. I mean, like for me, it's, I go to like I go to a therapist, and my doctor prescribes me some medicines after they figure out kind of how to fix, like even it all out, right? Yeah. But I mean, shoot, who knows? Today they may, maybe they're doing some Guantanamo Bay what? type stuff. They lighten up people's nipples and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I hope not. The but battery I'm not, cables. Listen, and... At this point, I I don't put it past. Yeah, I don't think it's anybody. Ab- I don't think do it's anything. Abu Ghraib or Gitmo, but. Um, but it's you know, and because you mentioned the the four, you know thirties, forties, fifties. In nineteen sixty three, John F. Kennedy signed a it's called the Community Mental Health Act, and essentially it was to fix that problem and keep people local in their community. But you know, if they needed to be institutionalized, it was there where they lived. They weren't going across the state. They weren't going, you know, um, but. There are certain things that happened, like when Medicaid was passed, then hospitals and the states were incentivized to put them in 
regular hospitals and, and nursing home facilities because because Medicaid had no funding for um, for treatment for institutions uh, for mental diseases is how it was written. So right then, like they had something good and then they wrote another law and then torpedoed with a good thing they had going. Um, well, we always talked about socialized medicine in this country. Like you and I are both in favor of some kind of single payer. Yeah. But done right. Medicaid is a perfect example of a government run medical plan. That is pretty awful. <laughs> like for, for, and I'll give you an example. My, my grandmother, um, my grandmother was born, I think, but I think she was born 19, 1919, 1918. Like, yeah, that's where, I think that's where my grandmother was. And she passed away, I believe, around like 85, 86 years old. All right. Um, but in her latter days, she had to be in an assisted living facility. And she had to do it via Medicaid. So basically, she would go in, she, she was goes into a facility that accepts Medicaid. Not all of them accept Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Because Medicaid doesn't pay very well. Yeah. Um, and essentially, she was in a glorified hospital with beige walls and, you know, the the plastic vinyl tile flooring. Uh, nurses run up and down. I mean, some and some of the patients, and, and they were definitely patients at this point. Where, like, my grandmother had all of her faculties. She could move around mostly on her own for the beginning part she was there. Mm-hmm. Um but they essentially had her in a hospital wing um, with patients that couldn't feed, that couldn't feed themselves. Oh yeah. It needed to be bathed. But I, I guess my point is, you know, because that was what Medicaid was willing to pay for. You know, she had a, she spent probably her latter eight to 10 years of life in a, not a great facility. Right. Like it, it wasn't, it's like, it's not something you call home. And for me, it was like, you know, this is what we're doing to our senior citizens at this stage of their life where it's extremely expensive. Not many people can afford a private place for them to live it, without forking over all of their Social Security, all of their retirement, basically just draining their accumulated, whatever accumulated wealth they had. Now, my grandmother didn't have any. So she got what Medicaid was willing to pay. Yeah. And it wasn't. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to live there for the last 10 years of my life. No. Not that I'm not saying there's roaches and cra- but it just wasn't a very nice place to live. And that's what Medicaid afforded her. It was, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like that whole thing. When you go to the hospital, Medicaid basically pays the hospital to stabilize you and get you out. Yeah. That's what our government is providing for people. And for me, like, so like, yes, I'm in favor of a single payer socialized type medicine plan done right. Not the way, Medicare, not, Medicaid for me, ain't it? It's, so, it's, it's, yeah, when they, they start talking like shit. Yeah, when they start, start talking about Medicare, Medicare for all, I'm like, mm, no. no. We need a different program than that. <laughs> yeah. Although, I, I get, well, I guess Medicare is a little bit different in the fact that it's mostly private insurers that get paid by the federal government to provide insurance. Mm-hmm. It's like a stipend plan almost yeah. at that point. But Medicaid is a federal state funded program that gets paid out by the state or federal. It, the states get money from the feds to pay out these things. Right. And there's, I think there's a little bit of a match going on, but, um, so medic, that's where Medicaid and Medicare differ. Medicare is mostly done with private insurance companies that the federal government subsidizes mm-hmm. where it's almost like an employer health program a little bit. Um, now don't get me wrong. Those plans suck. 
um, unless you're willing to really up your, up your end of it. Like if you want to pay more for it, and again, these are seniors we're talking about. Medicare is for seniors for the mm-hmm. most part. They don't. A lot of them don't have a lot of money. They don't have enough money to subsidize another plan on top of the Medicare they're getting. And Medicaid's even worse because Medicaid treats people like garbage. Right. You are a number, and they are going to do just enough to keep you alive until you die. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, they're not moving mountains for you. Nope. Not at all. <laughs> and there's no luxury. And you know, when, when you get into some of these, um, when you go, when I went through this timeline and saw like where it went, there were some, uh, some, some other laws that came out that kind of, you know, contributed to the, uh, contributed to the problem. There was a, it was called the Lanterman Petrus Short Act that was in California. It essentially made involuntary hospitalization diffi- more difficult. Mm-hmm. So when you had that person that was schizophrenic and or whatever condition they had, because I'm no psychiatrist or psychologist, uh, aside from the you know psych 101, an abnormal psych I took in college, but those sort of, um, that act was really detrimental to treating people and i think it was designed again like a lot of these laws the intentions are good but nobody nobody thinks and no one's playing the long game no one's looking down and seeing what are the second third fourth order consequences to these laws we're doing something that's going to make us feel good now but we're not thinking about what's or we're doing something to treat an anecdotal issue or a one-off thing that was awful but we're not thinking what's what are the what's the ripple effect what are the ramifications down the road and this is one of the an example of that where they passed a law to to make it harder to to put people in probably into those awful institutions. Yeah. But it kind of really hurt trying to get anyone long term care. Yeah, I think part of that though was because there were again we're we're talking about a different time, so I'm not saying I'm not I'm not judging what happened back then uh, because I wasn't around. Different times, different mindsets. Yeah, and I don't think but, we can. We I don't think it's fair, and it happens all the time. You you can't look at the actions of people in the past through today's lens, right? Well, I guess my, my point was this: I think one of the reasons why that law was put in place was because people were committing family members who probably didn't deserve or need to be in a mental institution. Yeah, and again, we, when we talked about this a couple minutes ago, when these people got put into the mental institutions. It, it wasn't sunshine and rainbows. Like it was torture. Yeah. A lot of times because they didn't know how to treat mental illness back yeah. then. Mental. I mean, that's one thing like mental health and, and mental health providers, the studies that have gone into the human brain uh, have come an extraordinary long way from what they used to be. Again, I mean, they, they used to use shock therapy yeah. for, for something as simple as depression. Yeah. That was a then. legit treatment. Yes. <laughs> Um, or they would, uh, what was it? They used ether mm-hmm. also. Yeah. There's uh, another drug. I re- I, I forget the name of it, but it was essentially like, it would just turn into a zombie. Yep. So when you see the movies and you see the people like shuffling around like zombies, like that was the, the drugs they were on. It was opioids. Yeah. Because back, I mean, back then opioids were not. So right now opioids are in the, um, are in the news because of the Sackler family. Um, by the way, if you haven't watched a show called dope sick on Netflix, unreal um I, I i can't call it a documentary because it's got real actors and there's dramatizations in there but 
it goes through how the Sackler family who ran Purdue Pharma, not Purdue Chicken, different mm. Purdue, Purdue Pharma, um, when they came out with OxyContin. And that's and for people that don't know, that's what Rush was hooked on. And not just him. A lot of people oh, have yeah. been hooked on that stuff. Um, under the guise of a professional doctor being sold a bill of goods. Mm-hmm. Like they were literally told there's no there's no possibility of addiction if if you prescribe oxycontin well the problem is there were a couple of problems they got the dosage wrong for the doctors so the doctors were prescribing not enough and some patients weren't weren't feeling that weren't getting the proper effects of the pain relief so then purdue comes out and says double it double it will work and then patients were having the breakthrough pain again so purdue said double it again right and what it was doing though it was creating the the um the addiction yeah and then well it's just like once it, people knew you could get once people knew you could make you high as a kite then the pill the pill uh what do they call them? the pill mills pill mills yeah and a lot of people think so for for people that remember like the crack epidemic uh back in the 80s and, and, you know, you, I forgot the movie, but it, it was like the documentary of Frank Lucas and it had Russell Crowe and Denzel Washington in it. I wish I could remember the I think it was American Hustler. Okay. Maybe. maybe I'm not really sure. Um, but it kind of like showed how like crack and cocaine infested the black community, the poor black community. Well, opioids is what got the rural poor white folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was another documentary. I wish I could remember. It's also on Netflix. Now, that was a documentary. So this this guy's um, his kid got shot and a drug deal gone bad, and he went down a rabbit hole, and he ended up finding out that pill mills exist, and essentially all you do you go to the pill mill, you pay your twenty five bucks or whatever, you get your prescription, and you can go get it filled. Mm-hmm. Most times the doctor didn't even wasn't even in the building. Yeah, you just would go and they write you the th- they write you the script. Yeah, they had the pain clinics. That was what it was, yeah. yeah. And people, especially in Appalachia, yeah, when they, coal miners, hard job, lots of pain. Oh, yeah. Hard on the, your back, your back goes, guess what, though? You know, those jobs aren't like some office jobs that us in the suburbs get to have where we have sick days and vacation days. No, 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 no. If you don't go in the mine, you're not getting paid. Right. So they would hook, they would hook them up with Oxycontin. Feel great, no feel, no pain. Go in the mind, you get your work done. Well, do that enough, you get addicted to it because yeah. it's an opioid. Well, my point of this is back in the day, opioids were seen as an effective drug. Oh, yeah, they treat everything. Yep, <laughs> like, I mean, it, like it came in like a little bottle, yeah, it's, it's liquid form. It's funny, like when you read the ingredients of old medications, and it's like you know, for cough syrup, and it's got heroin in it yeah you know coca-cola's coke it's like you know this cough syrup has cocaine heroin i'm like <laughs> jesus <laughs> right right and, and the funny thing they were giving it to kids right back then like oh yeah. tommy's got a little too big this, like is that the skid row like right. uh to go order or is that the, i'll tell you uh, no, no wonder that that world war ii generation was so tough then when they were being raised for you know, like like a broken arm, here here's some opioids. Yeah, get back out. There. Here, here here's some uh, some meth. Well, in the the 
the German army, like they were like all hopped up on meth. Yeah. Uh, the Luftwaffe, those pilots were given, you know, when they fly those, especially in the, you know, they had a different philosophy with, now completely off topic, but they had a different philosophy <laughs> when it came to pilots. We would rotate our pilots and air crews through. Mm-hmm. So their pilots, though, would fly until they died. And they would just fly mission after mission after mission. And well, in order to fly an airplane for, you know, 20 hours, you got to be awake. Right. So they would just get them all hopped up on meth. It's the early version of no dose. <laughs> yeah. Remember that stuff? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no dose before the five hour energy. Yeah. And there was like, what was the other one? Uh, was it Vivran? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I love how they're like, five hour energy. Yeah. Perfectly safe and not harmful. <laughs> like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> Just some random stuff. Well, it's got guarana in it. Yeah. That's safe. Yeah. And how bad could it be? I bought it at the counter of the and, gas station right prob- next to the yellow jacket penis pills. And they, right. <laughs> they probably sprinkled some crack in it. You know? <laughs> you know what? The small minor detail, yeah. they don't tell you. But uh, back to the the original topic of discussion. But um, so at, finally in, in 1980, um, Jimmy Carter, of all people, kind of got it right. And signed the Mental Health Systems Act. And it was essentially to go back to what Kennedy had started and to restructure it and make it better. But that was last about a year until 81 when the, uh, under Reagan, the omnibus, some one of those omnibus spending packages came and they removed all federal funding from mental health. And that kind of puts us where we're at now with prisons being the large, prisons in the streets being the largest mental health uh, facilities. Well, prisons is another topic of conversation yeah. because... The prison bureau, there. Well, one of the largest lobbying firms in this country is the lobbying firm for prisons, and I bet you people are going, "What are you talking about, man?" Well, most federal prisons are privately run. Yeah. So they're they're not the people that work in them are not federal employees; they're contract employees. Mm-hmm. So essentially. And it can work kind of both ways. Either the, the private company can build the prison and staff it, or the federal government will build the prison and then pay someone to run it. Well, anyone who's seen Orange is New Black, mm-hmm. that was one of the big things when they switched from the feds running it to the private contractors and then the yeah. quality. And I, I'm not sure how accurate it was, but the same that happened, the poor quality of employees went got even worse. Yeah. Well, and how that runs, though, is... and. There's a whole other topic of how police departments get federal funding through a, a program called the COPS program. But essentially, the federal, the prisons that get federal money get more money for the more beds they have filled. Mm-hmm. And the COPS program gives more money to police departments that arrest more people. So the incentive is to, one, arrest people to incarcerate people because that's where the money flows. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing. Again, people don't know about these things. So the other thing is how much, so let's say if you got your, the guy, the story of the guy with two joints. And I know a lot of red pill people out there, like some guy with two, they got caught with two joints and not doing 20 years in prison. Oh, really? (laughs) Let's look at that. Yeah, a lot of low-level drug offenses got absurd sentences. Right, and then there was also a, a disparity between 
those that were given to so like when you look at um the sentences for crack cocaine are much higher than powdered cocaine right well who uses crack cocaine right if you poor, look if you look black at, people right your city that's where it's happening who uses powdered cocaine rich white people right yeah. so same drug same thing it, it now the highs different between the two of them um I think one might have a higher addictive property just because of how how it it works but they're like but really you know it's the same same thing which which by the way even though red pilled America probably doesn't think that type of stuff happens well guess who who guess who put that policy in place and enforced it your boy Joe Biden yeah yeah not wrote, wrote the bill yeah. the crime bill mm-hmm. that upped the sentences for low-level drug use and possession. And oh, by the way, good old vice president mm-hmm. out there put basically enforced that in California. Yeah. And, and in particular, L.A. Mm-hmm. And San Francisco. And Oakland. Which, oh, look who they happen to be. Right. Yeah. And, and so it's like, you know, you, I think if if people take the time to research stuff, I think they, you, like I said, you got one side that doesn't think it exists, and the other side is the side that did it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so like, and the other side, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's the there's a whole thing with the Uniparty right now where it's like the people with R's and the people with D's next to their name, just the same people. A lot of them are part of the same Uniparty, and you get a couple. On the left, on the left, and the right, the populists on the left and the right that probably could be one party because they only disagree on probably two things. Yeah, that want to change that, but every time they try and change that, by the way, Bernie, by anyone, Bernie ran in two thousand sixteen, right? Yeah, it's twenty twenty one right now. Mm-hmm. Five years, I've never seen an individual just give up their principles as quickly as he did. Yeah, someone, someone was going to Jeffrey Epstein, that guy apparently, because he, he did a turnabout real quick yeah, and was like, you know what? Get in line. In my, in my seventies and eighties, I don't want to end up in a ditch somewhere. Yeah. So I'm just gonna, I'm going to pretend like I'm fighting for the people, but I'm not going to fight for the people. Yeah. Maybe he was hanging out with Epstein and that's how they're going to get him. Listen, but by the way, if you don't know that, that the Ghislaine Maxwell trial is still going on, which by the way, it's getting but zero zero press. Zero press. Not yeah. one thing. And you thing. think there'd be all kinds of salacious details in that one. Oh, so there are. So her defense attorney. Um. Well, I, I'm trying to. Man, I I got to see if I can remember these these bouncing, uh, the bouncing balls here. So the prosecuting attorney is someone someone's famous as kid. And I'll I'll look it up. I'll. When we, when we talk a little bit more. Um, also oh. happened to be the prosecutor on the Epstein case. Hmm. Okay. Now, in a district attorney's office, it's kind of rare for the same person to get two really high-profile cases, especially if it's not in your division. And this isn't in their division. Mm-hmm. The defense attorney is also somehow... It, there's some connection to another case and i can't remember what it was 
I wish I could remember. Like, I know I'm, I'm, I've got a whole lot of information here to give people. <laughs> hey, this is a... So there's a th- guy and this th- guy, and they know each other. There's this crazy thing <laughs> happening with a guy and this other guy, and I'm, I got no names to put behind it. But anyway, uh, there, there's really something weird going on. And everyone points like, oh, Epstein was the ringleader. Epstein was the ringleader. Some people are starting to think that Maxwell was the ringleader, which is why she's not dead. Mm-hmm. And that she had him offed. Yeah. So she had him offed to protect herself and her case. Mm-hmm. And she's doing and she's doing the protecting of all the high profile people. So like she's going to eat whatever this thing is. Oh, they think she's going to get off. Oh, really? So they apparently they only got so there were six original witnesses or uh, six original accusers, two of which had the better cases to bring, mm-hmm. and for some reason the state isn't bringing those two. Did they shoot themselves in the back of the head twice? Not yet. <laughs> Although maybe this is how they avoided it. Yeah, by not participating. Yeah, and the other four with weaker accusations are the four that were on the witness stand. Just the state is conveniently living, leaving out the strongest parts of the case. That's it's a strange, strange yeah. scenario going yeah. on there, and and like you said, there is no press. Yeah, nothing. I mean, all I got is off. Of, I, I got it off of people I trust, like the news that, people I trust on YouTube. The 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 trial started right after um, Thanksgiving, the Monday after Thanksgiving. Yeah, isn't it crazy that like that all of a sudden Omicron variant is, comes out then too. Uh, oh right, yeah, Thanksgiving. right. But uh, I don't know. We my my prefer the prosecutor is Maureen Comey. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Last name sounds familiar, doesn't yeah, it? Really familiar. Her dad, James Comey. Wow, former head of the FBI. Hmm. Yeah, strange, huh? Yeah, strange. I'm not gonna say anything else because I don't want to. You're gonna end up Vince Foster. You, you know what? Uh, you know what? That's why we're gonna leave it there. I'm just gonna leave that part yeah. there because you know I I don't want to I don't want anyone showing up at my door tomorrow. Yeah. But uh, no, definitely not. Um, <laughs> but the uh, things got uncomfortable real quick yeah, down here. I know. I know. So it warm in here. <laughs> Looking around for the uh, for the bugs. <laughs> knock knock knock. Yeah. Like, Son of a. <laughs> yeah. no. right. But it, it, things are. I'm, uh, yeah, we're not gonna talk anymore about it. It's just a little strange that. That connection with that. Yeah. But, you know, getting the back to the, the private prisons thing, you know, that's one of the, the and BLM.org, like the actual organization, part of their platform is elimination of private prisons. And um, I agree with it. I kind of agree with that. Because too. To, to me, you shouldn't be making money off of, you know, uh, despair. Yeah. The problem, the problem with, with government run prisons, and th- this happened, it, this happens with any kind of government-run agency. The buildings get dilapidated yeah. because the government, the government will build something, but they will never maintain it. Right. I mean, just look at look at the uh, the transportation infrastructure of this country. Mm-hmm. Right. They built bridges, tunnels. Every, it was great, right? But they were built in the 1800s. Yeah. For the most part, especially the railroads. Mm-hmm. Like do you ever, people always wonder like how we can't get high speed rail in the northeast corridor from like Boston to DC. <laughs> well, the problem is is actually the it's not the trains. Yeah, the Acela train can go 120 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe it's 150, but technically that's a high speed train. The problem is, 
is that the infrastructure doesn't allow for it yeah. because there are, there are a couple turns that mm-hmm. can't. Uh, there's some turns and there's some uh, bridges that are too small. So the bridges were still. Some of the bridges are single lane, single way. Yeah. So if you're on the north side, you got to wait for someone to come up from. The, you got to wait for someone going north before you can go south. Um, but essentially, a lot of it's just falling apart, and the U.S. government or state and local governments never pay to maintain this shit. Stuff. Right, never. At, at one point, the United States had one of the large because people always talk about European rail. And anyone who's been to Europe knows that you can, from any little burg or hamlet, no matter where you are, can jump on a train and be anywhere in Europe yep. within a day. Yep. And we don't have that here. Like, there's right. no train that, if, if we were in Europe, there'd be a train that ran from Annapolis to Baltimore and to D.C. and down to South County. And there'd be trains all over the place. Well, there used to be one. Mm-hmm. The BNA the BNA trail. It's a bike trail now. Well, now it's, yeah, yeah. Right. now it's a bike trail, but that used to be rail. Yeah. Or gone. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like, you know they they built these they just let it go to waste yeah. now other forms of transportation came in um but everyone's oh we're gonna do the cars and then trucks and i remember my mother used to say they should because she didn't like trucks and she said there should be a special lane on the road just for trucks and only trucks can be in it and they'll stay away from me and it's called the right lane yeah yeah <laughs> yeah if we just keep the person doing 55 out of the left lane right yeah, no <laughs> but, kidding. but uh i said yeah there used to be one and she said, what was that? I said, the railroads. <laughs> like, that's how everything was transported. But A uh, lot of it is today, too. Yeah. But, yeah, you're right. Truck, I mean, trucks get things to the endpoints. Yeah. But you and, had these these big, we had a very robust system, which the automobile came out. Um, in Los Angeles, they had a system that was called the Red Line. And I want to say General Motors and Ford got together and essentially bribed all the politicians to defund it. And it's completely gone. Because they wanted to, because at the time Los Angeles was a newer developing city, and um, they wanted to sell more cars. Yeah. So they looked at public transportation as the, the, uh, competitor to them selling cars. Because in New York, if you live in Manhattan, a lot of people don't even own a car. Yep. You just ride this because the, the public transportation system's good up there. Yep. But uh, they, so they gave it to, um, to, you know, the those you know the the automobile manufacturers went and bribed and bought off and you know even bought pieces of it and then just destroyed tore it down so that people couldn't use it yeah. and they had to buy a car and if you look at los angeles like the traffic in los angeles is just Horrible. unbelievable but uh los angeles had a lot of homeless people too <laughs> getting back to yeah back, back to homelessness yeah I mean- and you know when you look at this you and you know we've kind of got, got off topic but if you think there's an underlying theme it's just bad policy after bad policy after bad policy, then throwing more money at it. Right. Let's just throw money at it. So the Or sometimes we don't. Right. So the, just, just leave it be. Yeah. So <laughs> the the state of California in the next two years is budgeted to spend uh four point eight billion dollars on homelessness. And I guarantee you when they're done, there will be just as many, probably more homeless people in Los Angeles. In, and if you go to these and I haven't been out west, but there's a there's an Instagram page I follow called street people of Los Angeles. And it's, you know, the guy, when he's driving around, goes and he'll film yeah, yeah. just block after block after block of encampments. They call them encampments, but it's just people on the street. Right. They pass some dumb laws out there. Again, stuff that makes you feel good now, but you don't think of the second and third order consequences. So homeless people in Los Angeles, imagine walking out out of your house 
and there's some dude in front of your house. You're going to school with your kids, and the dude's playing with himself, and then the, then the guy next to him is is pooping in a bucket, or or or, or just on the street. Yeah, because like in San Francisco, like there are p- literally people they'll just poop around the street. Yeah, and one thing like our generation doesn't remember this because we weren't alive back then, but. There's a mo- the movie called Cinderella Man, another Russell Crowe movie, talking about um, I can't remember the boxer, but basically, poor guy, um, used to be a champ, a boxing champion, and got hurt so he couldn't fight, and then worked his way back, and uh, ends up fighting Max Bear for the heavyweight championship, ends up winning. Well, in that movie though, there was a scene where. A guy he used to work at the docks with um, drinks a little too much, leaves his wife, um, and go lives in a Hooverville. Mm-hmm. Now, for people that don't know, Hoovervilles are basically homeless encampments. So these these men would go find an open space, and back then they didn't. They, I don't think they used as many tarps, but. They would build these makeshift single room homes, um, and they did it in Central Park. And then what would happen is the government would come through with the uh, the horse unit mm-hmm. or the police unit, the horse yeah, the police Central unit. Park Rangers or whatever. And they would come through and they would just tear it all down. And, and, and this was all in the uh, '30s, like the Great Depression era. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, but for me, it, it's kind of for me, it's very similar to that. Where people are now setting up homeless encampments, which is essentially Hoovervilles. Yeah. Except, I mean, now they don't call them Hoovervilles, they just call them homeless encampments. Right. And right? now they're not even calling them homeless, they're calling them the unhoused. Unhoused, yes. The- which, okay. Um, but, the, you know, and when you look at, so then this, then I'm not sure whether the city of Los Angeles or whether it was a California law or one city did it and the rest of them followed suit where... The police can't move homeless person's stuff. So they can have this encampment set up. And you'll see the people around here with like a shopping cart full of stuff. So that if they say, hey, you got to move, they just push it along and get a, around the corner away from the cop. And then they just set up again. Right. Well, there, it's, it's the police are not able to move their stuff because they have they've attached some sort of property right to them being able to stay outside. Right. So now their stuff is now sacred and they can stay there. So you're having them set up in places that used to be nice. You know, you now the real estate, you spent a million dollars in a house in California. It's probably going to look like this house, right. you know, mm-hmm. but this is a nice neighborhood. So you walk out, but I just can't, you know, you walk outside your house and there's someone pooping on the street. Yep. Um, or they just, or how about if they just, they put a tent yeah. on, the, on the sidewalk, which is public land. Yeah. And, and you can't move it. Can't and you call it. the police and the county comes out and says, hey, sorry, deal with it. You know, and then you wonder why the crime goes up in that area. Right. Now, some people like to say, oh, it's because the cost of housing is so high. They just can't afford. Uh, that might make up a percent of the people. Right. Out why there. don't they move out of San Francisco? They can go to Utah yeah. or Idaho and go work at the Piggly Wiggly, right. and they can afford rent for four hundred and fifty dollars a month because Idaho, that this the cost of living there is so much less than San Francisco. Yeah, you don't think people in their right mind would would do that, especially if they, if you had an opportunity to leave a, 
a situation where you're housing your family, your wife, your kids, or maybe you had to leave your wife and kids because you couldn't afford to put food on the table. And by you leaving, they were able to get welfare assistance. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't think that a person in their own right mind would say, you know what, family, we're going to go move to Idaho and I'm going to go get a job working at the grocery store where I can afford a one bedroom apartment to get us on our feet again. Yeah. Someone in their right mind makes that decision. P- these people that are home, like not all of them, we're not saying all of them are, are, are mentally having issues, but a lot of them are. Yeah. And don't worry. Some people choose to live the homeless lifestyle. I get that too. Mm-hmm. But that also someone that wants to live the homeless lifestyle doesn't give them the right to put in a, a, a tent like structure in front of my house. Yeah. That I'm paying taxes for, and and because of some weird city ordinance, nobody can do anything to move them. Okay, well, if that's the case, what are we doing here? Yeah, like why do I need to pay the property taxes then? Right, they're just, not. Yeah, they're they're not. They don't own that. So why do they? Shoot, what's to stop me from literally ditching my house and just setting up a huge tent? <laughs> I can set up a five bedroom tent right in the middle of the road, and you can't do anything. Just park the RV there. There you go. <laughs> you know what? Hey, just hey, lower my expenses. But yeah. no, but I mean, at some point, someone you're going to drive someone to do something real stupid, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, how could they do that to the homeless person? How down oh my gosh, that's so insensitive. Okay, you buy a 1.5 million dollar row home in San Francisco, and open your door to someone pooping on your sidewalk, right? And 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 just chilling out in a tent in front of you. You think home. stepping on a dog turd's annoying? Yeah, they... imagine if you move on, imagine the log that is. But, but yeah, it, but so no, we're we're not talking about people in their right mind. We're talking about people that have issues uh, that can't move out of the air for where, where one reason or another. Because the people that can move out of California that want to are do. Yes. <laughs> um, it's not some big secret that California has a high cost of living. Yeah. And literally, the next state over or two states over, you can go to you can go to the desert, in Nevada, if you really wanted to. You could go work for the casino, and be fine. Mm-hmm. And people do that. Yeah, people go to air. People, I got a buddy. He lived here for a few years. He was a pharmaceutical sales rep. Makes a lot of money, right? Was from California though. But even he. After living in California for about 10 years, he's like, this is getting out of hand. Moved to Arizona. Mm-hmm. Moved to Phoenix. Just because, it, and he got the same size house for 500 grand less. Yeah. Was still near a major airport, so could still do his sales runs where he had to go. And didn't have to put up with a lot of the BS anymore. Yeah, didn't have to, you know, but not none but, of it. But not everyone is the like I said. Not everyone has the ability to just get up and move. But right. people in their right mind will go to the where the work is and mm-hmm. where it's cheaper to live, if they're in a situation where they're facing homelessness. Yeah. But we're not. That's not, those aren't the people we're talking. Yeah. About. And and they did a bunch of stories back in the, uh, I guess right around '08 and all that stuff when the when the markets were crashing during the recession of people who couldn't have, you know whose houses were foreclosed on and they were living in their cars and, and like different places were setting up like safe places to, to park 
so you could sleep in your car. And I think people, they would like you to believe that all the, the unhoused again, air quotes, um, are those people, but they're, they're not, you know, there, and there's certain things that is encouraging more people to come, come there. One, you just have the weather in California is year round. It's hospitable. Right. Um, 77 sunny. Yeah. Barely any rain. Yeah. You, you don't see it. Now there are homeless people in DC, Baltimore, sure, Boston, New York, but it gets cold here mm-hmm. and they'll find warm places to go there. Venice beach. It's nice all the time. You don't have to go anywhere. You can just live in your tarp tent house and poop on the street and be good. It's waterfront property. Yeah. yeah I've Literally. always wanted to live on the beach. Literally go from property, you know. Um, but I, and I think also they they call them encampments. They want to make it seem like it's these these nice places. They're not like they're sick people there. Mm-hmm. They're physically ill, mentally ill, um, and then there's pro, you know then there are those that are preying upon them that live there as well. Right. So and then the state's just going to throw money at it, and it, there's no incentive structure to make them want to to to. What what's the accountability? Um, I don't think there is any. I no, mean, there's not. The, uh, to be honest with you, I think from the government's point of view, I think they're willing to just wait it out yeah. until they all die off. Right. But the thing is, there's going to be another crop behind them because there's plenty of dope, and there's plenty of mental illness to go around for everyone. They don't see so, it that way, though. I don't yeah. think they see it that way. They think there's a, there's only a finite number of people that will get themselves in this situation mm-hmm. before times get better. Or whatever it is, like before this period of time ends and and this situation won't happen anymore. Uh, yeah, no, nah, these people will just die off. Yeah, it won't be the thing. No, it won't. Or be they'll fine. all do something. Right, they'll all get killed, or they'll all do something stupid enough to get themselves put in prison for a long enough period so that they're like gone. Or the or the media will stop caring about it, or the people will stop caring yeah. about it. Yeah, because it won't be the thing anymore. anymore. Right, don't have to worry um, about it. The thing is, when you have human beings living on the streets, though, that's something that you can't just ignore. But, I mean, they're pretty good at ignoring all kinds of stuff anyway. No, but, the, um, but the red pill side of this is that, well, people, this is America. People do what they want to do. This is People are free to do as they wish. Government shouldn't be involved in this. Yeah. That's also a crock of nonsense. Too. Yeah. Like, look, I'm not, I'm not saying the government needs to take care of all these people. Or all or do all this, but I'm just saying. Look, if they're the one thing this country is somewhat decent at, as far as the people are concerned, not necessarily the government. When people, when the people know there's a problem, and they can help, most of the times they will. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why organizations like the Red Cross exist. Yeah, Habitat for Humanity, Wounded Warriors. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of. And there's a lot more. I'm, I'm yeah. just naming the few right off the top of my head. Um, I, f- I think Paul Walker, the late Paul Walker, everyone knows him from the Fast and Furious, but the guy had a charity set up where he could raise a lot of money. And, for example, his charity went to Haiti when they had the earthquake. Now, the Clintons also went to Haiti with their charitable organization, and they siphoned off a whole bunch of money. <laughs> Paul Walker's group, though, 100% of the funds went to go helping people in Haiti, mm-hmm. and Paul Walker went himself. And that's something people don't know about him. But there are other organizations out there that are more like Paul Walker's group than the Clinton's group. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, there, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of organizations that they have a lot of overhead. So people are like, well, you only 10 cents on the dollar goes to actually helping people. It's a little exaggerated, but even if it was 50, 50, but at least they're willing, they've got the, the ability to mass, uh, um, what's the word for the, um, deploy yeah. into situations. Right. Um, and the private individuals out there, red pill, blue pill, doesn't matter, are usually more than willing to donate to those causes because they know things will get done. Ra- I mean, a lot of people that are red pill would rather give would would rather take that twenty five or thirty percent they're paying to the federal government and give it to and them. give it to those. Yeah, they don't. It's not the actual. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yes, it, would they like to pay less in taxes? Sure, but their biggest problem is. They pay these taxes to a hugely inefficient organization called the federal government or the state government versus a private organization that can just get stuff done. Right. Like, I think if, if the if the the proposition was, hey, take this 30% instead of giving it to the federal government, give it to Habitat for Humanity, done. Yeah. I think a lot of them would do it in a heartbeat. Um, but beside the point. Yeah. And, and that's <laughs> – and I think that's my – because, you know, like, you have one side that thinks the government's the only answer, and the other side that thinks the government is the absolute wrong answer. But government done right can be the right answer. And sometimes it has to be the government that comes in and does it. But for whatever reason, they just won't, and I won't do it right. I think it's because you have individuals, you have people that are looking out for themselves or for their own agenda before they are looking out for the result. Or you get into these things where they pass something that makes them feel good that they think's doing a good thing. And then, but they're not looking down the road to see what the, the result of the policy is going to be. And when you look at like this, you know, the, the endless cycle of poverty and despair in some of these cities, you can see where there's tons of money. You go to Baltimore city schools, they have the, they're, they spend the most money per student of any school system in the state. Problem is it doesn't go to the students. Right. It goes to the over bloated board of education yeah. and administration. Just, I mean, to be honest with you, it's the same way here in Anne Arundel County. Mm-hmm. A lot of the money here isn't going to the schools. It's going to the bloated salaries of the board of education, yeah, administrators, and right. right. The I'm, person, not, I'm not talking yeah. about the elected people. I'm talking right. about the like the the superintendent. I mean, superintendent it's, it's four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, plus perks. Mm-hmm. The perks are, it's another topic altogether, to run a school district in which he pretty much has no say anyway because the board, the elected board, has more of a say than he does Yeah, on how things are run. So it's like, what what are we paying for here? Yeah. yeah it, and we had talked about this in another podcast, like the, the, the number five or six transportation logistics person making over a hundred grand. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding? To do what? To tell us that we can't have a bus. Yeah. Because we're within a mile of the school. And now no one can have a bus because no Because no one's driving them anyway. Talking about that one too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like the inefficiencies are incredible. Like we have, our normal budgets were about one to one and a half trillion dollars before all this COVID stuff happened. Mm-hmm. This latest budget is like $5 trillion, yeah. which is crazy to me. But $1 trillion, and we can't we can't do some basic things for the people of this country. Yeah. 
and, and the thing is because like, everyone's got to get paid and, and a trillion is such a number that people don't really understand how big of it so a, a trillion is a thousand billion mm-hmm. and a billion is a thousand million yeah hundred thousand yeah. no that's not right nine nine hundred ninety nine thousand million and then it's a billion there's a lot of numbers thrown out yeah, a lot yeah. of zeros in this yeah so it's a thousand million <laughs> so we didn't bring our math right game so like a trillion's <laughs> like a billion million like it's crazy a million it's, million it's it's an it's nuts so much money yeah so like i i just i'd be happy with just a cool mail right <laughs> you can, know can, can we get a little bit of that yeah we have some of that action and no no, no but you want to know the states do they tease everybody give us a dollar at a time gotta be in it to win it yeah gotta we gotta pay to play mm-hmm. with the freaking lottery system yeah. around here <laughs> the the biggest hypocrisy i never got from state government was illegal gambling mm-hmm. but the lottery was okay yeah, the like, state racket Right, but you had such a minimal chance of winning the yeah. lottery. Yeah, that at, that was okay. At least if you play the tables at MGM, like you, you know, the, the, it's the, the 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 odds are in favor of the house, but not 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 like the lottery. <laughs> you kidding me? The lottery to hit that lottery? Yeah, it's like one in fifty million. <laughs> no, no, that's not right. I'll say one in two million. That's probably closer, right? Yeah. Because you got to figure not everyone in the state. It's it's by number of people who enter. Yeah. So you figure 2 million people in a state of 14 million might play. But then like Powerball is multi-state. Well, that's so that's multi-state. Yeah. So you got Mega Millions, mm-hmm. which is also multi-state. Powerball, multi-state. Yeah. And then Maryland has its own state lottery. Right. So it's like you literally, I mean, even if you was one in a million chance of winning, well, at least if I go to the blackjack table, the odds are 47-53. Yeah. I got a 43% chance of winning. Mm-hmm. Not 0.0006% chance of winning. <laughs> I literally have a better chance of going to win in the blackjack. Yeah. In fact, and if I do a little card counting a little bit, mm-hmm. it goes, I think it goes uh, 49.51. Yeah. I can increase my percentage by two. Just just by counting the Just cards. by doing, which by the way, we just saw our math skills, which is why I'm not going up to... Right. Live casino to get my forty nine percent chance of winning. Well, just something. just uh, just buy more lottery tickets. Right, uh, right. Uh, I'll take that point zero 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 six chance of winning versus the forty nine percent chance. Makes sense. I got it. Takes no skill, none. But uh, double down. <laughs> See, I don't get the etiquette. That's why I've never been a gamp because, like, I'm like, you'd be like, oh, you split this and double down. I'm like, I don't know what any of this means. So, this, all right, so. In my opinion, so I got two different opinions on this. One, if you're at a blackjack table and you sit down and it's your money on the table, you do whatever the heck you want. It's yeah. your money. Now, some people who go to the higher tables do expect you to play a certain way. Yeah. Now, some, and this is where it gets a little odd. At some point, you've got FU money, do what you want, mm-hmm. right? And if someone doesn't like the way you're playing, they can stop playing. Yeah. Um, if you're at a if you're at like a, a twenty five dollar minimum table and under, and someone's doing that crazy stuff, and I am one to do that stuff, mm-hmm. like I'll split tens against the six, like I'll take the twenty off the board because the six is showing. Mm-hmm. And some people are like it's a good move. Other people think I'm nuts, right? But the point for me is I'm trying to get the most money on the table when a four, five, or six are showing. I don't care how I get it on there because I'm not betting on me getting twenty one. Mm-hmm. I'm betting on the dealer busting. Right. 
So for me, I don't care if I got a 12 or a 19. I don't care. That dealer's showing a 6, and odds say he's got a 10 underneath, and he's going to hit something higher than a 5. And I'm going to win everything regardless of what I got, mm-hmm. right? That's the ad, That's the old thinking of, that's how you get your odds to 49%. Yeah, right? see, I, the only thing I know about blackjack is 21. Right. That, I don't know. You lost me there. Right. <laughs> but I guess my, so here's my thing. If I'm at a, if I'm at a $25 minimum table or under, and I'm doing this stuff, and someone decides to chirp at me, I tell them to go pounce in. Mm-hmm. Like, get out of here. Like, there's a $100 table over there. They'll play more like you want. Yeah. This is a $25 table. I'm here for some fun. Right. I'm here for some action. If you're playing at the $25 table, expect $25 table shit. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly, right? Right. And you get, like, these old, like, there's, it's mostly, like, the older people that get all pissy the with you. geezer, yeah. And I have no problem telling them to piss off. Mm-hmm. Like, nah, you can, you can go down there. Yeah. Hey, I'm doing what I'm doing. You do what you do. I'm just going to buy like 38 lottery tickets. Right. Well, that's, well the funny thing about this table, it's not my responsibility for you to win money. Right. You do what you're going to do. I'm going to do what I do. Which is probably another reason why I just go to the craps table and throw some dice. Yes, that's, yeah. That's a hell of a good time. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know anything about it. That's great. I played I played uh, dollar roulette on a cruise. That's mm-hmm. the extent of my gambling. Um, and I'm usually there for about 20... Uh, transactions sure before my $20 bills go on then I leave right <laughs> but um but yeah the, the the lottery is it's funny because in my research one of the things that came up like because I was just looking at like other bad policies and laws that are out there and I I saw like lotteries and it was from the Heritage Foundation so it's take a little that, take that with one yeah yeah take that with a grain of salt <laughs> um you know because they're they're super I mean they're like libertarian like like cato institute type stuff don't they put on the cpac conference yeah <laughs> like yeah that's like that's pretty that's as red pill as it gets yeah. right there <laughs> yeah that, that's uh that's almost that could be christian coalition type stuff right there <laughs> like, it doesn't get more right wing than that yeah but you know if you're looking for bad laws you know they pretty much think everything the government does is bad yes um but you know there is a lot of stupid things you know when you look at the the cycle of poverty and despair in in, in cities and you have people that start out poor and they're poor for, you know, they, they started out that way. So why are they that way? And I, and I, I'm no expert, but I think you can think about opportunity, education and family structure. So there's, if, if those things are lacking, then there's pretty much going to stay in that situation. You have some individuals that'll make it through, but if you look at overwhelming and I'm not talking about the individual, I'm talking about the, the community as a whole. In a place like like Baltimore or you know any of these cities, um, so then what do they do? You know, they what do they see? They see people, you know, turning to crime as a way. You know, whether it's theft or robberies or drug low level drug dealing, whatever it is. Um, and then when you have a situation like that, if you're a drug dealer and someone stiffs you, you can't go to court. Right. There's no there's no better business bureau for the drug dealer. You know, you can't you can't uh, send them to collections. No, you know, so you can, there's no recourse for you. So the only recourse is violence. Right. If someone's edging on your turf, you can't advertise more, or go buy the other. No, you have to. You can only recourse. Your only recourse is through violence. So once you have the result of violence, the government's oh we have to do something. People say we have to do something. What do they do? They throw the police at it. Which okay, the police should be responding to violent crimes. But then 
it results in more people going to prison and that just kind of perpetuates this cycle. Right. Um, and it all just comes back to the poverty, but all of these steps to solve each of these things cost money and no one's addressing the root causes of it. Right. And I'm not going to go and say that it's only the government that can address it because if the people aren't going to take, take it, the, the help and not going to act as agents of their, you know, they're, they're, you can't remove agency from them. They're, they still have agency. They, so they're still able to participate to improve their lives if they choose not to. Just this cycle is going to continue and continue. Um, and no matter what policy, but the thing is, it just seems like we throw bad policy at it. Of course. You know, let's, let's take that low-level drug dealer and put him in prison for a very long time. Right. Putting him in prison for a very long time doesn't do anything but stigmatize him. So now he can't obtain meaningful employment. Well, never mind the fact. If you go in as a felon and you come out of jail, your employment prospects go way downhill. Yeah. The, you, the one thing that can keep someone out of prison is a good job. Like mm-hmm. they, they, People can go into prison and get educated. Yeah. You can get your bachelor's, you can get your GED, your bachelor's degree, your master's in prison for free. Yeah. Which I actually don't think is a bad idea. Right. The problem is, though, when you come out of prison, you're still a felon. Yeah. And people won't hire you. Right. So you could come out with a PhD mm-hmm. and people are going to tell you no thanks yeah. because you were a felon. Like, I, I definitely, I mean, there's definitely a, a thing where people who go into prison and do their time now, whether they should have been in prison to begin with is a whole other topic of discussion, which we've hit on a little bit. But once you pay your debt to society, if you truly come out and you're trying to do good, People, and this is, people need to just be like, we need to embrace this person. Yeah. To keep them from doing it again. Right, to keep them from, from uh, to reduce their recidivism. Recidivism. Right, right, um, right. That's right. But that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, it, if, if people. But essentially, and what, what it turns into is every sentence is a life sentence. Right. Because it's going to yeah. follow you for your entire life. Even if you go for two years. Yeah. Let's say, let's say you get a year. Mm-hmm. As a felon, yeah, you're a felon. Yeah, that's it. You're, yeah. I mean, your your earning potential just went way downhill. Yeah, and if if my options are seven fifty working at a Wendy's with a manager who just sucks and won't stop yelling at me, yeah, or I can go make a quick grand or two, yeah, working so, on the street, yeah, hanging out with my boys, probably gonna take my chances, yeah. And that's what you know anyway. Right? And you're good at it. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think in this country, we, we, because of that stigmatization, we waste a lot of talented people. Yeah. Because the system, and I'm not saying it's like the system in general, but people that own businesses, especially small businesses, um, they just don't want to take a chance. Like, yeah. If I don't need to take that risk, why would I? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, there, you know, and you think of it, if you're, and most employers are small businesses. So if you're that small business that is thinking, okay, like, there's always that in the back of your head. Do you want it there? Hey, is this guy stealing from me? Is this guy doing this? Is this guy doing that? Mm-hmm. No. So you just avoid the subject altogether. And what we've done is we've allowed it, the way things are built is that's perfectly okay. You do a background check on somebody. Oh, they're a felon? You could not hire them simply because they're a felon. 
Right. Um, well, never even to live. Yeah. To get an apartment, they mm-hmm. do a background check on you. Yep. They say you're a felon? Nope, not going to live here. Yeah. So now you're forcing them to live in a bad area to begin with. Yeah, so they go back to the same environment they came from. Exactly. And then they have no skills, or if they have attained skills while they were locked up, they can't use them. You still got to eat. Yeah. You got to do whatever you got to do, so you go right back to doing what you're doing. And eventually, you know, it either becomes to, you just, the cycle repeats, or you get killed at one part of the cycle. Right. You get, you get killed in your criminal activity, in your violent crime, in your police interaction. Though that number's not as big as people like to think it is. Right. But it's still a possibility. In prison, well, or you just age out and die. For the most part, though, it's not going to be a police interaction that gets them. It's going to be the street activity yeah. that gets them. Yeah. I mean, by the numbers, it's I believe it's uh, 20, 25 times more likely mm-hmm. to have harm done to you on the street than versus with a police interaction. That's a big difference. Yeah. And they've talked to, there've been studies where they talk to um, people in Baltimore who were locked up with guns. They're like, why do you have a gun? And none of them say it's because I'm afraid of the police. Right. None of them have, none of them are strapped because they're, they want, they're afraid of the police. They're strapped because the other dude has a gun. Right. And when you're selling drugs on the street corner, you can't go and say, "Hey, the other drug dealer's shooting at me." Can you, officer? Can you come take care of that? Right, right. Like you got to handle your business. So, um, yeah, think, that's why they're. I think there's a whole world people don't even know about. Yeah, in that regard. Yeah, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. I don't think it's. It's not. It's not race. I mean, it, some people think it's a race issue. Not. I don't. Parts of it are might be, but if you don't think Hispanic and white people are doing the same kind of drug game. Yeah. Out of your mind. Yeah. It's happening all over. Yep. Um, different different areas are run by different groups of people. You got Dominicans. You got uh, you got um, black folks, Jamaicans, Haitians. Yeah. Well, uh, And on the it, West it, Coast. I'm not, yeah, I'm not even going to say just black people. There, there's certain sects in yeah. the black community. Haitian, Haitians, Jamaicans. And, yep. and I'm not going to just, I don't want to just, but other parts too. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, if you go to the West Coast, you've got the triad yakuza yeah. the the vietnamese street gangs that are coming that that are there so it's it, it, the, and the thing is like look back to the 20s and 30s it was the italian mafia and the they, irish mafia the russian mafia the jew and they all started they still got them yeah they're still there still there yeah they're just quieter yeah yeah and that's because the police went after the italian mafia so what the the italian mafia did went underground mm-hmm just became a lot. I mean, they they finally. I mean, they finally realized. Hey, look, we can't be out and about. Yeah, you know, flashing all this stuff going yeah. on. Yeah, like John Gotti and <laughs> right, right, yeah, 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 acting a fool. Right, you know. I mean, there's one thing to say that you got you know, to be the Teflon Don, but there's another thing to say. Hey, maybe we shouldn't just be as flashy, and no one's even gonna be looking at us. Yeah, there, that's a huge difference. There, you don't gotta yeah. be Teflon if no one even if no one's cooking in your pan. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it's a big difference. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's a lot of I mean, and we can go on for hours about bad policy and throwing money at you know good money after bad, yeah. And you know, I, I just I think at some point, someone somewhere has to realize that what we're doing isn't working, and then maybe try something new. Maybe for I'm laughing because <laughs> I just don't see I don't yeah. see a change. But like you know, maybe for uh, the drug addiction piece, rather than treating it as a as a criminal justice issue, we treat it as a health issue. 
as a public so. health issue. I hope so. Because um, why, why, why do people go around and break into cars to get change and stuff? You know, now that's not always the reason. Some people are trying to do identity theft with the information they're getting out of it. But there's an underlying reason why some of these crimes occur. Why homelessness is around? Like, so if you're to go after the the root cause, and we're just right now we're just treating symptoms. We're not treating any of the the root cause. So, you know, if if the cancer is still under there and you're just going after what you can see, meanwhile, it's spreading over the iceberg. If you lop off only 10% of the iceberg sticks above the water. Right. So you chop that 10% off. Well, guess what? The rest of it just bobs up. And 10% of what's remaining is still there. But at least with the iceberg, you're doing something with that top. We're not doing doing any of that. Right. So. Well, thank you for listening. We hope you like the show. Please like, subscribe, comment, share. Um, Let us know what you think, and we will see you next time.